millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There is nothing I love more than an amazing meal with high-quality meat cooked at home because... Let's be honest, eating out is so expensive. And you also know that eating out is the number one budget buster. That is why I am so glad I found ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service dedicated to delivering high-quality, grass-fed and grass-finished beef, organic chicken, pork-raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood directly to your doorstep with free shipping always. You even get exclusive member deals, recipes, and a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing price. New users will receive their choice of two pounds of ground beef, three pounds of chicken thighs, or one pound of premium steak tips for a year. Use code ETM and get $20 off your first box at ButcherBox.com. Last night, we made a beef stew with meat from ButcherBox, and you can taste the difference. It was so satisfying and delicious. And all of our friends that were over for a dinner party, they raved at how good it was. So do yourself a favor and eat better this year with the best meat and seafood on the planet delivered to your door. ButcherBox is offering my listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential. Three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a year. Plus, get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm and use code etm to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Draw a four-foot virtual circle around yourself right now. And once you get that circle drawn, stop drawing, put your pencils down, because most but not all identity fraud happens really with you and your person and your device and the choices that you make. So you're kind of at the intersection of victim and also to a certain degree, there's some responsibility there. But I tend to think of consumers as ground zero for a lot of the problems that emanate from them, but they're all things that are fixable. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. Hey there, real quick before we jump into the episode, I want to ask you a quick question. Did you know that on this show, I love to answer your money questions and share your success stories? Your questions can be vague, in-depth, or just anything in between. You can stay anonymous or share your first name. It is completely up to you. And there are no dumb questions. Okay, we've got a short little form you can fill out to have your questions or success stories shared in an upcoming Shauna Shares episode. Just click over to the show notes and tap on the link or head straight to bit.ly slash Shauna Shares. Cool? Okay, on to the episode. Welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Talking Money. It is so good to have you here. 
You are going to learn a lot in this episode and hopefully learn some tips that are going to save you some money. Okay, raise your hand if you have ever been a victim of identity fraud. I certainly have far more times than I can actually count. When I was putting this episode together, I found some really staggering stats I want to share with you. Did you know that identity fraud costs Americans $52 billion in 2021? That's more than $1,500 in losses per victim. That is crazy to me. As our guest, John Buzard, a nationally recognized financial industry fraud and security expert at Javelin says, it's pretty hard to avoid identity fraud. If you think you have, you probably should look again. In this episode, we talk about what to do if you're a victim of identity fraud, what to do about all those spam emails and texts, why credit freezes might be your best money tool, and a to-do checklist to get you protected for the rest of the year. All right, ETMers, let's start talking money. I think this topic of identity theft and fraud is really fascinating and one that I think everyone listening, we need to learn a little bit more on how to protect ourselves and our money. And I was doing a little research before our episode, and I believe the term identity theft, it was coined in 1964 in the UK. I could be right or wrong on that. You'll tell me more. But give us a little bit of a brief history of identity fraud. You know, how did we get to where we are now? Well, it's mind-boggling to think about the fact that at Javelin, we've been performing this research for 19 years. Um, So our study turns 20 next year. And I often say to individuals, people I'm conversing with, can you just imagine that there's, there's been this term, identity fraud, for roughly the last 19 to 20 years, and we've been dealing with it in various iterations as society changes and technology changes. It's it's a little surprising, I think. Wow. But nonetheless, it's a fascinating topic. Yes, it is for sure. I wanna wanna dig deep into it. There are some, I think, jaw-dropping numbers around identity fraud that it costs Americans about fifty-two billion dollars in twenty twenty one. Um more than about fifteen hundred dollars in losses per victim that came out of your study. So what's going on? Like, Why is identity fraud, why is it getting worse for commu- consumers? Well, I think there's two major facets. If I, if I can break these down into two pieces, I think it'll make sense for us. Yes. Let's talk about digital growth. Because even today, you and I were using a digital medium to do what we're doing. Um, there are consumers out there who are leading really interesting, um, highly accented, digitally infused lives today. So everyone that I know has dipped their toes into uh, banking apps. Maybe they have (laughs) performed stock trades or they've sent money using a peer-to-peer funds transfer product via digital channels. So this has created a bumper crop of data to steal for criminals. Um, As society progresses and ages, we amass an enormous amount of data per person. Um, I lost track of what those numbers were, but it's in the terabytes per person if you want to get really down and nerdy with it. Uh, But keep in mind that the data we're talking about is 
personally identifiable data, such as your user ID, your passwords, those are kind of what I would call like the keys to your financial kingdom. And they're all sort of interwoven into this digital activity. Maybe you're crazy for social media platforms. You just adore Pinterest and Facebook and all those things. That's all part of this too. There is an entry point for all of those things. So that's kind of like facet one is just this available plump, juicy fruit that's out there waiting (laughs) for criminals to sort of pluck it. And then we have to kind of take into consideration the second part of this, and that's criminal activity. Um, Criminals are running scams against consumers directly aimed at them, as a matter of fact, that result in identity fraud. I mean, here's a low-tech example. The phone rings, or maybe a text arrives on your phone today, and you're told quite convincingly, either verbally or through the text, that your loved one, someone you care about, they're in the ER right now. They broke their arm. Hey, guess what? Everything's okay. But we need three or four hundred or eight hundred dollars in order to get released from the hospital. Could you possibly send, you know, a a payment, a funds transfer to sort of give that person which I quite comically think about getting sprung from the hospital as if one is incarcerated right 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 <laughs> inside like of bars in the yeah hospital. you can't get released unless yes <laughs> yeah and so it's sort of a low-tech example of just that kind of leverage of getting your the criminal getting your blood pressure up either in i call it sort of like the risk or reward the juicy carrot you've won the a lotto situation or a risk of did you know that your electricity is about to be turned off if you do not divulge your credit card information in order to take care of your power bill? And the thing is, you're immediately kind of suspended in this strange amber. You know, common sense kind of goes out the window. We forget yes. that we should probably just hang up the phone, put that aside <laughs> and verify what's going on. So that's a huge problem. But you know what? The rest of this is far more sophisticated than that it's you know the remainder of criminal activity is fairly sophisticated with you know billions of dollars um devoted to taking over your accounts uh, or opening new accounts in your name i mean it's um it's starting to probably feel to you like we're inside of an episode or a a movie of like catch me if you can right you know that vibe but it's it's every day happens every day and there's it happens to people of great financial means and not so great financial means. It's democratized fraud, if you will. I hate to use that term, but it truly does affect everyone. So in, in your example, like those texts, let's just use the hospital example. Are they just tr- trying to get kind of the one-off, like whatever that amount is they're trying to get out of you? Or does that then like open the door up for even more fraud? Well, it depends on the success rate of the interaction, of course. Um, criminals will double and triple dip depending on the target, um, the targeted individual. So it may be a one-off, but it could be a tidy $1,200 one-off, which is pretty good for, let's say, maybe 35 minutes of work. Um, I wish I could do that <laughs> For you know, net profit that for a legitimate piece of work, but nonetheless, it can be. Um, the sad part is, we do have um, a subset of our population that I simply refer to as people who are vulnerable, and that includes 
isolated people, people who just naturally spend a lot of time alone. There's a lot of single individual households in this country more so than ever before, maybe in the world. But as you are isolated, maybe your peer groups are diminished, especially in um, aging demographics. You have that that waning support system as well. And so if you appear at all to show some vulnerability, these criminals are not beyond calling you three or four times um, or ratcheting up the pressure and going from a friendly interaction to something that's more coercive. We see that more with romance scams. You know, it's a Mm, long game. We have to woo you for a while, make you feel warm and fuzzy. And then if that's going going south, then you see the criminals really acting aggressively and mistreating the victims even more. It's a true shame. I'm glad you brought up uh, the romance scandals. I've watched one too many Netflix shows Mm -hmm. about various ones that have happened kind of recently. And you're watching the show and you're thinking... I mean, there's no way I would fall for this, but I know that it's it's not that easy, right? Because you, especially with the romance ones, I would think that that, that desire for love or money or whatever it is that you kind of get caught up into, it becomes almost like a blindfold. Like it's hard to um, kind of see your way through it. Well, it's you rather succinctly describe the whole scenario there. There are a lot of, you know, it's the artful dodger. So you have a, you know, criminals sometimes working in groups of three, four or more, and they come together for sometimes these very elaborate choreographed ruses that um, target lonely people, widows, you know, a, a cautionary tale for for everyone, even though we we say this a lot, and I bet your listeners hear it too, that moment on a social media platform where you are sharing a personal story can really also make you a target. So as an example, if you were a recent widow or you are observing the passing of something important in your life to you, for those folks who are trolling social media platforms looking for potential targets, you've unwittingly and quite innocently singled yourself out in a way. Mm, But beyond that part, it's sometimes takes three to six months or more to cultivate like the big steel. So when you actually do start to talk about romance scams and elder abuse, they're more than willing to take a collective six months to really, you know, fool the, um, fool the victim into trusting them. And then they slowly ratchet that power over them and, yeah, heady perfume for people who really need attention. That's why I feel personally that it's just important to have a sounding board when things don't seem quite right in life. And you would probably agree with me, like if something odd happens in the next hour, for sure, you're likely to call your BFF and say, oh, the weirdest thing happened to me just now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what people should be doing. There's no harm in that. And sometimes the answer is, guess what? That happened to me last week and I forgot to mention it to you. And so then you mm, right. slowly come to the conclusion that you might be in the presence of someone who's dishonest. So we've talked about a few of them, but are there other areas of our lives where fraud is more likely to happen? Or is it a lot of these the texts, the robocalls, the emails, these sorts of things. 
Well, okay. The easiest way to visualize this is pretty simple, and you're probably going to laugh. But mentally, for you and the listeners at home, draw a four-foot virtual circle around yourself right now. And once you get that circle drawn, stop drawing, put your pencils down, because most but not all identity fraud happens really with you and your person and your device and the choices that you make. So you're kind of at the intersection of victim and also to a certain degree, there's some responsibility there. But I tend to think of consumers as ground zero for a lot of the problems that emanate from them, but they're all things that are fixable. I mean, To be fair, you can't help it if your information is stolen in a third-party situation. So if there's a cybersecurity incident at your alma mater, that's not on you. Um, What you can do, though, is make some smart decisions ahead of time to really insulate against identity fraud woes. And, you know, I've got a whole bag full of tricks and suggestions for people on what to do to kind of like ratchet down and protect your your information and your person, but just keep in mind, this is your personal information. You should be numero uno, the person who cares the most about it. That's really the thing that I want to remind people about. It's worth protecting. You only get one. (laughs) So be careful with it. Right? Listen, if you've been using Mint to manage your money, I have got some news for you. First, the bad news. As you might know, Mint is shutting down for good. But the good news Well, there is a way better alternative that is a personal favorite of mine, Monarch Money. And I'm not the only lover of Monarch Money. Many Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and just raving about it. I used to manage my money with an Excel spreadsheet. I know, so archaic. And it was so time consuming. I tried all of the apps, but I just didn't find one I liked until I found Monarch. And I've got to tell you a secret. Monarch is so easy to use with a very intuitive design. You can even collaborate with your partner and you can customize Monarch for whatever your needs are. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Let's go back to the collaboration bit. Because we know money is a leading cause of divorce and breakups, Monarch has built-in collaboration features so you can invite your partner at no extra cost. You can see all your finances, make a budget together, get insights on your cash. Yes, cue the confetti. There will literally not be any more arguments over money. And if you've been frustrated with personal finance apps that are cluttered with ads, difficult to use, or rarely updated, so was Monarch. They built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive and powerful ad-free, and constantly improving based on customer feedback. Monarch has a tool that allows you as well to easily import your data from Mint. You can keep all of your tags and all of your categories. After trying Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com etm for your extended 30-day free trial. Financial anxiety, anyone? Yeah, you're not alone. But worrying about it, it doesn't help. Earnin does. Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 per day as you work and leave an additional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. 
So how would you spend the money you get from Earnin? Well, honestly, my hubby and I have been feeling a little bit disconnected lately. That's what happens after you've been together about 12 years. So I would spend the money on a special date night with dinner and maybe bowling, you know, to bring back some of that giggly excitement that we both felt at the beginning. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security, gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin, T-A-L-K-A-N, money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin money under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Okay, so so you've got some tricks in your bag. So so tell us, you know, how can we as just consumers, how can we do our best to set ourselves up to avoid some of this? Well, I think unless you want to canoe to a remote island. <laughs> hey, that might not be a bad idea, John. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking that summertime, I think everybody would like to canoe to a remote island. Um, but to live off the grid, device free, maybe not so so much fun. I, I think the alternative, though, is um, there's some really good things that you can do. And some of these, um, when I go through them, you may scratch your head and say, well, I see that all the time. But, you know, is this like... Uh, cliche advice or is this real advice from someone who knows i'm going to tell you right now that i am not fond of um the 101 ways you can keep yourself safer type of of periodicals that are out there so what i'm about to say are things i truly believe in i also wanted to say that i like things that are free who doesn't i like low entry point low tech free things that you can do to protect yourself but also there's some other things you might have to cough up a couple of bucks for. And the first one is just that I feel like everyone out there should consider sourcing a good identity protection provider service that fits your household. Now, my message here is pretty clear. When I say fit your household, doesn't matter who's under your roof. Look for When I say identity protection service provider, first and foremost, you're looking for a company that's going to do things for you that you may not be able to do in the fullness of time and with the efficiency in mind. If you have to detect identity fraud or later resolve it because it takes a long period of time, but there are so many really great providers out there. 
that cater to you in whatever your family style is. So look for a protection that covers everyone in your household. Doesn't matter if you're married. Uh, make sure the kids are covered if you have underage individuals in your house. I think that's one of the big things. And also look for amenities that you know that personally you're not going to have. It may drive you bananas to realize this, but do you know that with certain types of identity fraud, it can take up to 16 hours or more of your personal time? Wow. Yes. I believe it. I do believe it. Yes. Yeah. Insane. And well, and honestly, I I have to wonder if it's not more because have you been on hold lately? (laughs) It's easily. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The the world has um, Muzak and they have put us all on hold. So I firmly believe that it could probably take collectively much more time, but that's our average with that. So why not try to outsource a little bit? If you can. So the that would second, be something we would we would pay for, right? That would be a personal investment. And again, you're th- you're looking at this is a great way to think about this. I just thought about it. So if the average loss for an identity fraud victim is at least fifteen hundred dollars, you may recover some of that from your bank, your credit card company, but you may not. But wouldn't you rather pay about fifty dollars for identity protection? just with the idea that you've you've prepared and protected the perimeter a little bit. So that, for yes. people who really have a hard time getting over that, um, definitely think about it that way. Um, I have something, though, right out of the bat that doesn't cost you a dime that's worth so much to you. And again, we say it so often, it kind of sounds like a trite example of something you should do, but I've done it, I stand by it, I wish I could just come over to everybody's house and help them do this because <laughs> it's so simple. Freeze your credit. There are three credit bureaus in the United States, Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax. It literally took me about 20 minutes on a laptop to establish a credit freeze across all three of them. So that's pretty darn good. The, uh, based on my experience, though, I will say that here's a couple of tips I learned in, in doing this. You want to use a laptop because it's just easier to input your information. The reason it goes so quickly is because it's about you. So if you don't know your own personal information, that's a bit of a problem. But typically speaking, (laughs) it shouldn't take you a lot of time. Have a pad and a pencil by your side. Go through the process and get the the freezes on. Um, Load the branded sanctioned apps from those companies onto your smart device. Mm. And then anytime you're out car shopping, um, I remember applying for a mortgage in the car as it was driving down the road once and I turned (laughs) all three bureau credit freezes off, did my pre-auth application in the car as it was speeding down the road. And then, you know, later at an appropriate time, I turned them back on again. So is there a time delay like between turning it off and turning it on? Well, in the case of my mortgage, I wanted to be sure that they had time to verify, um, run a hard pull on the credit, go through the underwriting process. But uh, recently, over I think the long holiday weekend, there were these fantastic furniture sales, and I remember being enticed to buy a sofa. (laughs) And so I was like, okay, I can do this. I'm going to turn off the, the credit freeze, buy the sofa, save a few hundred bucks. In that case... Once the sales paperwork is in your hand, hopefully sooner than later, and you're walking out the door, it's time to lock that credit back up. You're done. You don't have to do anything with it. It also doesn't adversely affect you in any way. I think a lot of people say, oh, it's so hard. It's not. 
then the next <laughs> argument I often hear from people is, but that's going to keep my my business partners. My bank does little credit checks on me. My insurance checks up on me from time to time. That's going to mess with that. No, it doesn't. It doesn't have anything to do with the validations that your existing business partners um, do. So it won't it won't hinder access to your credit except to criminals, and that's what you want. You know, keep them out of the equation. So um, a great example people might relate to, honestly, would you rather freeze your credit or have somebody walk into a mobile cellular store tomorrow and walk out with mobile service and maybe a couple of very pricey uh, smartphones? You know, two, three thousand dollars, not out of the question. Yeah, I'll take option you know? A. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. And then the other things I'll speed through a little bit that are, to me, they're no-brainers, but I'd like to explain them a little bit and why. I want everyone to auto-lock their phone. I don't, and I know some of you may say, well, I lock my phone when I, you know, when it's resting somewhere or I'm in the office, I'll lock my phone. But I like to grab it up, text my friend, and then put it back down again and go do whatever I'm doing. So what I really want people to be cognizant of is, do you have an auto-lock mechanism set so that after five minutes of idleness, your phone will lock? Because if that phone is snatched off the table at a quick-serve restaurant where you're having lunch, and this has happened to friends of mine, I've had a coworker years ago at a different company, somebody lunged over the side of a booth and grabbed his laptop and out the door they went with it. So believe wow. me, I don't, I don't even have to make this stuff up because it happens all the time. So I want you to auto-lock, but I'd also like to see people use some type of what I would call a biometric protection. So whether it's like a facial scan, if you have a device that has still like a fingerprint situation, set that up. But generally speaking today, a lot of the mainstream authentication process is I can unlock my phone. I can power up and gain access to my banking applications, all of those things with a quick scan to your to your face it's science and math in the background it's literally doing mathematics to prove that it's you and that it's not a photograph etc so most consumers we discover every year we kind of evaluate like where the consumer headspace is with these what i would call advanced authentication and every year the sort of trustworthiness keeps going up on all of these things so when Mm, we ask consumers hey, you know, how are you feeling about a a facial scan, a fingerprint, et cetera? Also, like one-time passcodes that send a little code to your phone. The approval ratings just keep hovering in now. It went from probably like the mid-40s and 50 percentile to this year it was close to 70% for a variety of these things. But I would rather you sort of back up and, and shore up a static password by using something like that. Um, You know, it's hard, but do your best. Here's another one that's not spendy, but it could be highly annoying. Do your best (laughs) to have a password and a username for every important account that you have. Now, I know it sounds bananas because if you count up all the apps on your phone right now, or the, you know, can you imagine just if you just have that foggy day that you just can't remember all of those passcodes? That could be kind of a, a a huge consternation. But there are um there are great password vaults out there that 
They cover you most of the time. Again, that's sort of an, a minor expense if you wanted to do that. But if you really want to go for that hefty, super long, weird username and password that is sort of like the standard um, most secure method that's out there, you might want to get something like a password vault that, again, protects you over your iPad, iPhone, laptop, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and, and maybe if they'll protect you and everybody in your household, wouldn't that be great? But again, it's, it's, it's a combination of low-tech, low-cost things, but also um, um, a little minor investments. And the last thing on this that I won't harp on a lot, I don't think people realize um, that there are a lot of security amenities at your credit card company, um, at your bank, at your credit union. People fail to ask. If you want to have a really nice conversation with your banker, ask them how they can help you be a little safer. Or better yet, log in to your online banking. Probably, I would perhaps recommend at least the one time logging in through a browser to see if there's access to different options. Sometimes, you know, when you have a, a banking app, you can do a lot of things on it. But some of the more granular things like setting up a fraud alert plan mm. may not be in the app, but it could be on the browser. And what I mean by that is really quite simple. If you want to know every time someone has withdrawn money uh, via an ATM machine, if you're not an avid ATM user or you're sort of the $20 lunchtime gal, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to want to know if somebody takes out $500 today. Yes. So you want to set those things up. And there are some that are just really super good. I don't think that it's out of step for me to say that one of the most impressive arrays of alerts that I've seen was through Amex. So if you have like a corporate or a private Amex card, that to me is like a gold standard because they just put every option you can think of in there. I yeah, mean, I'm a big Amex fan for those reasons. Absolutely. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. I'm Samantha Cole host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Karina Bemisterfer, host of Morning Cup of Murder, your daily true crime podcast. Yes, you heard me right. Daily true crime. Every day, Morning Cup of Murder tells you a straightforward, short form story about murder, true crime, cold cases, disappearances, serial killers, cults, and more. And I do that all in under 15 minutes. With over three years of stories and over 20 million downloads, the Morning Cup of Murder podcast has become a staple of so many people's daily routines. 
So why not add it to yours? Stream Morning Cup of Murder everywhere you listen to podcasts. And remember, stay safe. And, and talking about passwords, um, you made me laugh because my my husband can never remember his passwords. And there's always a moment of panic. And he's looking at me like, don't you remember them? You know, it, it always bugs me. But mm-hmm. he's the producer of the show. So so it's okay. We'll let him we'll let him off the hook. Okay, he gets a pass today. He gets a pass today. <laughs> but um, I actually set up I mean, this is not an endorsement, but this is a product I use. I set up LastPass. Mm-hmm. And um, use that to store most of the passwords because there's no way I could remember the hundreds of logins and passwords and, you know, tr- trying to change passwords. I mean, it would just it would just be insane. But talking about passwords, what do we need to know about creating a good password? I mean, should we not be using the same password over and over again? Or are there, are there any tips on this end? Oh, absolutely. I have tips. Um, and I'm probably going to destroy the self-esteem and personal lives of thousands of people. By oh, no. This, okay. We're prepared. We're prepared. Okay. Everybody, fasten your seatbelts. One, two, three, four, admin. That's not a password. I'm sorry. I know thousands of you use it. Um, it's still not a good password, and we all know it. It's no secret. Um, just like a lot of other really bad choices that people make. Um, and for fun, and we won't go into the details of it, I would just love for your listeners and, and you know, in your spare time, whatever that happens to be, look up those commonly used passwords. If you're using something like Love Angel 222 <laughs> or something like that, guess what? You're not alone. Those are very easy and crackable. So in terms of getting focused with like, you know, a good quality password, you kind of have to go with the longer and the more randomized, the better. So if you have um, a Bank of America account, that should be one username, one passcode. If you move over to social media and you have two or three, then you need two or three user names and passcodes. Um, 16 digits, um, really fussy, weird combinations that have no linkage to you personally is the typical thing. Well, that's painful. Yes. I mean, I'm going to be the first one to tell you that I'm not going to remember how many at star dollar signs. <laughs> capital and capital exclamation. Yes. Dot, 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 dot. Oh, see, now I just gave away my passcode. Rats. <laughs> okay. I have to change everything. But again, it, it is complex. But remember, criminals are automating these things. There's something in sort of like more of a techie space that we talk about a credential stuffing attack and it's literally the action that a criminal takes to take a huge vast amount of username and password combinations and they sort of digitally stuff them if you will um, or aim them towards the digital presence of some type of online website and they literally say okay tomcat44 and they run tons of passwords against that, you know, baby blue 22, and then they'll run some more passcodes. And so through that automated attack, guess what? Eventually, especially with these really easy peasy ones, you're going to totally crack open, you know, the safe to sometimes a dozen or more accounts, because if you're an average Joe out there, you have had since 1995, don't lie. (laughs) you've had the same username and maybe the same iteration 
of password since 1995. And yeah, maybe you flip your birth date from the front to the back, but that's just not good enough. Sorry. It has to be better than that. Eventually, you're going to feel the bite when you experience what I call the the total account takeover. And as we noticed this year, it climbed to like 57%. So when we do our research, we're we're literally putting numbers behind it. Since um, the last probably five years, a total account takeover of your whole digital lifestyle is taken over because it's so easy. So that's why we harp about passwords and protection and all that sort of thing so you know again you can't protect against everything but you just have to put your best foot forward i mentioned earlier there's you know third party situations you have no control over so once you safely leave your information you know if that entity that company whoever it is if they're hit by a cyber attack or a breach or intrusion you can't help that part but if you've done all those steps we talked about, you're probably in better shape than most people. Yeah, prior to 2020, we loved to travel internationally. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would always use, my motto is to always use a credit card when you're traveling, especially internationally, because every single time there would be some sort of fraud, even though I was so careful and would scratch out on receipts and all sorts of things. Uh, but of course, using credit card, I would call them and you know get the charge removed or whatever it might be it was fairly easy it's why i always tell people like be very careful with debit cards because they could you know take out the whole amount in your bank account but if if you are a victim of identity fraud in whatever circumstance it might be what do you do wow that is a really big um question (laughs) Hmm. okay let's think of it this way uh, and we'll just use the analogy of the house on fire. What are you going to grab first? So I think triage the worst of it if you're experiencing identity fraud. Um, let's hope that for most of us, it just means that we find maybe one revolving store-based credit account that's been opened in our name, and that's all we find. But on the worst-case scenario... What if you start to receive, you know, a bajillion uh, notifications from your your protection, your identity protection starts pinging you and saying, did you open a Neiman Marcus account yesterday? You know, are you trying to buy a home? The, your home equity line of credit loan is being processed. Thank you. Mm. You start to really see those kind of things heat up. That's that's cause to worry so i would triage the worst of it you know keep in mind if you ignored everything that we said today you can always go back to it and still recreate some semblance of personal safety for yourself so you can go back and change passwords still of course you can still freeze your credit you i highly recommend especially with utility accounts a passphrase is worth a lot as long as you aren't, you know, talking McGabberton and you give the passphrase to people who don't need it. Put a passphrase on some of your accounts. So I'm not saying a PIN number. I'm just saying that if you were to call into your electric company today and you want to make a payment arrangement for a very high electric bill, you can add a passphrase, whatever it might be, little Bo Peep, 
had lots of sheep. <laughs> if if that person calling in and pretending to be you happens to be an imposter and it's a fraud scenario, something strange is going on, maybe they're asking to change the address on your credit card and they want a new card sent out. If they can't pass by that passphrase, they're not going to have really any legitimacy to get into okay. your accounts as well. So that's low tech. Um, it's free. Again, <laughs> our theme for today, spend less, but you know, work smarter, I guess. Um, and then the last part of this is how do you sort of collect yourself and round up all of the people involved in order to sort of start to resolve this identity problem, whatever it might be. So this, I'm going to take everybody back to like 1952 by saying that I personally have derived more value from creating a paper form letter addressed to individually to each bureau, um, very specifically outlining in as simplest terms as possible that you've been a victim of identity fraud that you have some unauthorized accounts that are open in your name, and then you want to list them. You want to provide all of your contact information, put your signature on it, keep a copy of it, and mail it to the Bureau. Now, at the Bureaus and everyone else in the world will say, well, you can do all those things online. For whatever reason, the one isolated time that I had sort of that revolving credit dilemma, I was refinancing in, I think, the post-2008 mortgage meltdown era, so maybe 2010. And I'm one of those classic people that suddenly discovers during the refi that I have a $700 unpaid bill that someone opened in my name, mm. and I had to resolve it very quickly. Right. And so the, the paper method worked for me in that way. But don't forget to take everybody along for the ride. So if you're experiencing these problems, make sure the Bureau knows that you are compressed by some type of a fraud issue uh notify your bank and then if you see any brand names you know you're entitled to a free credit report every year you should really get one um don't pay for it i really detest these companies that want to sell you something that you can get get complimentary once a year take a look at your credit report circle anything that looks odd or weird including addresses you've never lived at um, certainly any like business relationship, like if you don't have an Eman Marcus account and never will or never have, those are the kind of things that you want to report as sort of like anomalous. They may not be fraudulent. It could be like a little error, but you want to clean that stuff up. Right, right. That, that's really what I think. So, okay. Yeah. We that, have that our marching really... orders. Yes, I like it. <laughs> Get busy, America. Get busy, right? <laughs> Well, I, I want to ask you, you're, you're an expert on, on all of this. You've helped many companies and financial institutions. It's such a really interesting expertise to get into. My, my guess is that you probably know some secrets maybe you can't reveal with us here on the podcast. You probably know some, some deep insider stuff of, of what's like really going on with this. And with regards to just identity fraud in general? Yes. Yeah, I, well, you know, again, it's a lot of things. It's it's a consumer entity, such as yourself or myself. The fact that we're so comfortable with everything that we're doing, um, that we do tend to not protect things that are important. We're heavily, heavily oversharing a lot of details. And I'll just give one quick example. 
Um, if you are someone, you love to travel, you mentioned that, I would much rather that you, if you're going to use a social media channel, um, I'd rather you go to Europe, come back, get comfortably settled, and then post some photographs of your trip. Right, okay. As opposed to providing this blueprint for domination by a, a criminal. Um, the other part of this era that we're in is information is highly monetized. It is just as much a wholesale item as if you were to go out and buy a case of hammers <laughs> or something that you would then resell. So if you're a criminal, information can be and is every single day monetized, whether it's through the dark web economy that sometimes you'll hear about. Um, those are sort of these interesting, salacious stories about you know someone having a storefront and selling your personally identifiable information well it happens all the time so that's very very common so if a criminal wants and they want to get sort of this to derive profit directly from you and your good credit or your lack of credit they may just go out and perpetrate against you if they're a little this is hilarious but think about this for a minute criminals are also risk averse so even (laughs) though they're out there doing bad things they also say oh i don't want to go to jail Right. No, I'd never okay. make it. I just no. So they may sell your information to someone who's willing to take that risk on. So it may bounce from person to person. It may break apart and end up in many different places uh, all mm. over the world. That's why you need to protect it so much. Um, and it's just the fact too that everything has sort of a point of entry today. Right. We're digital. We just have to keep that in mind and try to protect ourselves and. Yeah, otherwise, it's not so much inside baseball. It's just take some steps to just get yourself to a better place, I think, is the, the real All right, the real so message. before we let you go, we've we've talked about so much. I mean, this has mm-hmm. been so eye-opening. Um, I, I'm already thinking about all the things I need to do after, after our conversation. But do you have, like, a quick, like, checklist or maybe a few action steps that you think we should do, like, right away, right after we listen to this episode? Um, sure. I think some of them we've we've certainly talked about, and I'm not sure if I've mentioned this one, but right now today, do you have a high quality, and in this case, I'm going to just say a name brand, major, well-respected antivirus, anti-malware detection system on your phone, if it's Windows-based, on your laptop, whatever devices you have, your mobiles, etc. Some of those little mobile uh, devices, especially Android, they're just a little Windows-based mini computer that you hold in your hand, so they're highly susceptible to malware that can copy every single keystroke that you enter, mm. no matter including all of your your private information, text, etc. So make sure you invest in that. That's just one of those no-brainers. You just have to cough up the money and get that. Um, make sure it's updated all the time. Um, I check mine. Of course, you know, in my line of work, I tend to trust no one. And so I'm always verifying and checking everything. But I make sure that once I have something like that, that all of the system updates are done. And then I occasionally verify that it's running on a schedule like it's supposed to. Sometimes things happen and they don't. So you want to make sure that you do that. Um, set up the alerts we talked about. Um, one of the other things here that I think is so important, especially as we all dabble with what I would call peer-to-peer 
payments or funds transfers. So as an example, if we go out to dinner tonight and we decide we're going to split the check and I say to you, hey, I'm going to shoot my half of the, the dinner check over to you and like you give me your email or your phone number or whatever drives that payment, you and I have, at that point, we've had dinner, we have some kind of a logical interpersonal relationship where I know you and you know me. It would make perfect sense that I would pay you for something like that. However, I see this so often that I feel like I have to tell consumers, if you're on Facebook and somebody tells you that there's a red Corvette for $500 and has a big scratch down the side, and that's the only thing wrong with it, and could you please send $500 and pick up the Corvette at the mall later? Well, there's several things wrong with that story. But one of the big ones is the fact that you immediately are stepping outside of the terms of service for that product that you're using. Do not use it to send money to people that you have never met, period, end of story. You don't know me. We've never been physically within under the same roof. Remind yourself of that because so many people are, again, not following the guidelines and they're victimizing themselves with that. And then the last thing I would say, um, if you find yourself in the middle of having some kind of contact with what you believe to be like a, a criminal, a trickster, a scammer, or whatever you might want to call it, please don't poke the beast. I hear people say this all the time. Well, I really messed with that guy. I kept him on the phone for an hour and gave him all kinds of fake information. And then people giggle about it because it, they feel validated that they stuck it to the criminal. But in the case of the bigger picture here, they know more about you than you know about them. Mm, do not yeah. fool yourself into thinking that they do not know where you are, what your home address is, etc. Hang up the phone. Don't engage in a tirade, whatever it may be, through a text. Step away from anything where you're having contact through text, phone, physical, um, you know, conflict, any of those things. Just sidestep it. If you want to know if your bank is trying to reach you, pick up the phone and call your bank. Simple stuff. Well, I'm both, I'm scared and happy <laughs> that we had this very informative conversation, John. Tell everyone listening, if they want to connect with you or learn more about Javelin, where do they go? Well, a couple of logical places for sure. Um, come visit us at javelinstrategy.com on the web um, and find me on LinkedIn. So J-O-H-N-B-U-Z-Z-A-R-D. <clears throat> I have a pretty vigorous presence on LinkedIn and I share a lot of tips and information out there as well. So it's always nice to meet um, followers and have people tap into sort of that stream of, of the information that I share. So I'd love that. All right. I have to admit that before this conversation, I did not think that talking with a fraud and security expert would be this interesting and this fascinating, but everything that John shared was just eye-opening, so important this conversation uh, really changed how my husband Jeff and I are handling our identity theft protection. We're like, okay, we really need to step up the game. I love that John shared about credit freezes. I had definitely heard about them before, but his rationale for using them as solid protection measure, it just really makes great sense. So my hope is that you walked away from this episode with some great insights, a lot of education, and 
you're going to start taking some action as well. If you enjoyed this episode, please do me the highest favor, share this with friends and family members, someone who you think needs to hear this information as well. And if you could head over to whatever podcast player you're listening to this episode in right now and leave us an honest review for the show, it would mean so much to me. The reviews help other people find the show and help us continue to grow. I'll see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode. Algorithms can do so much more than control social media feeds. In fact, they have the power to save lives and improve our health. At the Weizmann Institute, Professor Yonina Eldar has pioneered innovative algorithms that optimize MRI scans and make ultrasound devices more portable, affordable, and accessible. Professor Eldar's lab develops AI tools that can pave the way to new technologies that can see, hear, and communicate beyond existing limits. Learn more at celebratinggreatminds.org.